On behalf of Hospice of the Piedmont, welcome to this episode of the E-Series, an educational podcast aimed at engaging our community, exploring relevant topics, and educating about ways to connect with our organization. Funding for the E-Series is provided by the Dr. John A. Lusk Fund for Hospice and Palliative Care Education. My name is Ryan Biagini, and I'm your host. In past episodes of the E-Series, we had the great privilege of interviewing various volunteers of Hospice of the Piedmont. Joining me today as a special treat are Hospice of the Piedmont's two volunteer coordinators, Sue Rasso and Donna Taylor, to pull back the curtain, so to speak, on what volunteer services look like for Hospice of the Piedmont. Thank you both for being with me today. Thanks for having us, Ryan. Glad to be here. So, Sue, I'll start with you. You just celebrated your three-year anniversary with Hospice of the Piedmont here at the High Point Branch. That's very exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Could you tell us a little about the different types of roles volunteers can do with our organization? Sure. So we have a lot of different roles for volunteers. Right now, our greatest need is for our patient family volunteers. So our patient volunteers, they really provide emotional and practical support to our hospice patients and their families in both homes and in nursing facilities. Some of the things that our patient volunteers do include supportive phone calls and visits. They help to provide respite for the caregivers, running errands such as groceries or maybe picking up medications for the patients or their loved ones, providing transportation, possibly to doctor's appointments, um, helping with meal prep or doing some simple household chores such as maybe assisting with dishes or taking out the trash. We also have some opportunities to provide direct patient or family visits in our inpatient facilities. So in those facilities, our volunteers help with providing patient rounds, which means that they provide support to the patients and their families, really just as they do in the patients' homes. Some of the things that they do include visiting with patients and their families, maybe reading to some patients, um, providing respite relief for the caregiver, which that really helps with some caregivers who maybe want to maybe step out or step away for a little while. So if they want to maybe go and get a meal and they don't want to leave their loved one alone, they could ask a volunteer to sit with them. And that way they could step out for a little bit and take some time away, um, maybe helping with doing some unpacking or assisting the patients with some meal selection, especially if the patient is there alone and there are no loved ones sitting with them, passing out or picking up meal trays, comforting family members who are going through a difficult time. Um, Another role that some of our volunteers play is acting as an auxiliary chaplain, which they supplement our spiritual care staff at our inpatient facilities on the weekends. Wow. So these volunteers do a lot to support patients and families. Are there are there volunteer roles for folks interested in working with patients or caregivers that may not want to do so in person? There are. So we, we have some tuck and call volunteers. And what our tuck and call volunteers do are they assist our nursing staff by making phone calls to patients and their caregivers. So these volunteers make sure that the patients have enough supplies, medications, and support to see them through until their nurse's next scheduled visit. They also check in to just to check to make sure that there are no other concerns that the staff needs to be made aware of 
And if there are any concerns, then that volunteer makes sure to let the nurse know. So that way the nurse can check in with the family or the care or the patient to make sure that that need is taken care of. One of the other nice things about the talk and call volunteers is they also check in on the caregivers to see how they're doing. Um, and that's something that the caregivers really do appreciate those calls. That sounds like a really important uh, touch from those volunteers, uh, giving caregivers another layer of support. It is. It is. Do you have any opportunities for folks who may be intimidated by the idea of working with patients? We do, yes. So for our volunteers that would prefer non-patient positions, we have many other types of roles. So we have some office volunteers who come in and they assist staff with projects. We have They do some data entry, maybe stocking supplies. We have some volunteers that assist with putting together admission folders or medical supplies. And that's really helpful so that when our nurses go out to do their patient visits, they have everything they need to go to those visits so they can just grab whatever it is they need and leave. Um, we also have team station and front desk roles that are inpatient facilities. And those volunteers, they assist at Hospice Home of High Point and Randolph Hospice House. And they assist with greeting incoming guests, maybe answering phones, monitoring the family room and family kitchen. They help to restock supplies and assisting at the team station. We have some volunteers that come in and they assist with the bereavement desk volunteers. They assist with the grief counseling center by providing bereavement and grief support to the families after the loss of a loved one. So some of the things that they do is preparing mailings. They make reminder phone calls for some of the grief counseling clients that are going to be coming in that week and also greeting those, those clients as they come in. So there's lots of opportunities for both volunteers doing work with patients and for folks that are doing work um, administratively helping out staff. I guess finally, could you tell me about any unique roles that might be um, specific to Hospice of the Piedmont that folks might be not be aware of? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So so we have some um, some unique roles that we we offer here. We do some pet therapy visits here at both of our inpatient facilities. We have two pet therapy dogs that provide visits to our patients that request pet visits. It's really amazing to see how our, the patients and their family spaces light up when they see the dogs coming in through the doors. Even our staff benefit from the pets at when they enter the buildings. They just really have a way of bringing joy to the people that they encounter. Another unique role that we offer is our We Honor Veterans program. Our veteran volunteers assist in patient ceremonies where the veteran patient is presented with a pen and a certificate of appreciation for their military service. So if you're a veteran and if you have any interest in visiting with other veterans, we would love to have you join our volunteer team. <laughs> I see what you did there, Sue. Nothing like a little shameless plug. And I'm going to let you... Catch your breath. That was a lot. And I'm going to come over to you, Donna. Uh, so you've been the volunteer coordinator for Hospice of the Piedmont at our Ashboro campus for uh, just about two years. In that time, Donna, what qualities would you say you look for when recruiting volunteers for hospice care? Well, being a good listener is key to being a great volunteer. Many patients, they want to do some type of life review, whether it's telling a story or just showing family photos with a volunteer. 
Our patients find it very comforting just to be surrounded by other people. So we need volunteers that's just willing to give up their time. The volunteers that provide respite to the caregivers and give them a much needed break. So really giving of your time is just an invaluable gift to give to another person. A kind and compassionate person is another essential quality for hospice volunteers. Sometimes it's just as simple as reading to a patient, watching their favorite TV program or their favorite movie, or it's just sitting in silence and holding space with that patient. And and do you match them, um, you know, volunteers with patients? How do you do that? How do you go about matching them with their needs? Yes. Well, we try to match up our volunteers with patients that have the same thing in common. So if you were a veteran patient, we try to match you up with a veteran volunteer. We do have a veteran volunteer that visits with every patient at the hospice house and has a pinning ceremony. The veteran volunteer, he dresses up in a service uniform and each veteran is presented with a U.S. flag pin. And anyone, I can tell you, Ryan, anyone who has seen one of these ceremonies agree that is very touching to the servicemen and women who have served our country and to their families as well. Mm-hmm. We also try to match our patients with volunteers that have similar similar hobbies as well. We have volunteers that garden, that sow or plant, just to name a few. But every hospice volunteer brings unique talents and perspectives that we can use to match the right volunteer with the right patient. That's great. I I appreciate how intentional you all are with kind of matching people, right? And, uh, and kind of targeting your efforts to find the right fit for each patient. Um, so Sue, hopefully I gave you enough time to catch your breath. Uh, come back to you. I imagine that becoming a volunteer for hospice isn't as simple as just showing up. As a healthcare organization, working with families at end of life, especially during an incredibly challenging season, I imagine the training provided volunteer provided volunteers is pretty thorough. Could you tell us about the kind of training and support you provide to volunteers to ensure they are well prepared for both the emotional and the practical aspects of hospice care? Sure. Yeah. So we want to make sure that our volunteers are trained and feel confident before they begin volunteering in whatever role it is that they decide that they want to do. So all of our volunteers complete a two-day, 12-hour training course where they hear from a nurse, a social worker, a chaplain, and a bereavement counselor to learn about everyone's roles on the team and really how that volunteer fits into the team. So between the two-day period, trainees receive a good overview of what to expect as a as a hospice volunteer and how to handle a different array of situations. There's also a hands-on component where they are taught how to assist with ambulation, transfers, repositioning, and eating. The training really gives them a well-rounded experience that helps them to feel more confident entering into their role. Not to mention, it gives the patients and their families that we serve confidence in knowing that the volunteers that we're sending into their home are properly trained. Hmm. I'm really glad to know that volunteers are equipped for the jobs that you guys can task them to do, mm-hmm. but you're also doing a great job. It sounds like uh, just building advocates in the community for the work of hospice. Um, so that, that's great. Um, Donna, I'll ask you the next question. When people hear the word hospice, their minds likely go to the idea of death and dying. 
In your opinion, what are some misconceptions people may have about hospice care and, and how do your volunteers help dispel those misconceptions through their work? Okay. Well, the first misconception I hear people saying all the time is, oh, you volunteer, you work for hospice. Well, how can you do that? That must be so hard. Well, our volunteers tell us it's the most rewarding, impactful, and meaningful experience they've ever had. Volunteers get the opportunity to sit with patients and hear stories they may not have told anyone else. The patient has so many people coming in and asking all kinds of medical questions, but the volunteer is there for only one reason, and that's to lend a listening ear for whatever is on the patient's mind. Another misconception is that hospice only cares for the person that is sick. At hospice, we care for the patient and the patient's family's needs. We connect individuals and their families to the care they need on the terms they choose. Not only do we provide medical support, but also spiritual and emotional support to the families. Our volunteers also provide respite visits for the caregiver and the family to run errands or just attend a medical appointment. We also have caregiver support group that meets monthly that's led by a volunteer with a hospice counselor. This gives the family members a safe place to share their struggles and celebrates their breakthroughs as well. And the third misconception would be that hospice care ends when the patient dies, and that is simply not true. In fact, our bereavement services are offered for family members for 13 months after the date of death. And some may ask, now why 13 months? Well, that 13 months covers all the first, the first birthday, first anniversary, first Christmas, and so on. And we have bereavement volunteers that make phone calls and send cards to check on the family members at different stages to see how they are progressing through their grief. People often have a lot of different myths and misunderstandings about hospice, and I'm really glad to hear that our volunteers can uh, kind of have a voice in, in dispelling those and bringing some truth uh, to what hospice really is about. Hi friends, it's your host, Ryan Biagini. I'd like to take a moment to encourage you to consider becoming a hospice volunteer. With just a few hours per week, volunteers make a tremendous impact in the lives of those our organization serves. For more information about how you can get involved with our organization, visit the volunteer page at www.hospiceofthepiedmont.org. And now let's get back to the conversation. Working or volunteering for that matter with hospice can be hard uh, and the need to prioritize our own mental and physical physical health is of course a priority. We often hear about the importance of self-care in, in healthcare professions. How do you ensure that your volunteers maintain their own well-being while supporting patients and families? Sue, why don't you feel that one? Yeah, that's a really good question, Ryan. Um, so self-care habits is, is really one of the questions that we ask all of our volunteers during our onboarding process. Um, it's so important that our volunteers, especially our patient and family volunteers, have some type of self-care practice, you know, whether it be going for a walk, journaling, meditation, gardening, you know, something that they participate in. We want to make sure that our volunteers have a healthy way of dealing with things to, to prevent burnout. It's important that, you know, that they're in a good place if they're going to be able to be a help to our patients. So that that's one of the questions that we ask all of our volunteers during their closure interview, you know, before we set them out to, to start 
their volunteer journey with us. So um, that's, you know, one of the things that we really do take very seriously. And we want to make sure that they have some type of healthy habit that they are practicing before they start volunteering with us. That's great. You know, boundaries are important and uh, prioritizing self is important. It sounds, it sounds selfish, but really you're only as good um, to somebody else if you're taking care of your own needs. And um, I appreciate that y'all really um, prioritize that. And it sounds to me like you have a gr- pretty special group of people that you work with. Donna, would you be willing to share maybe a, a memorable story or experience that highlights a meaningful connection between a hospice volunteer and a patient or family member? We have so many stories from a vol- volunteers. It's really hard to pick just one. I can tell you about our volunteer, Charles. He's been with our organization volunteering for over 18 years. And that is amazing. That's impressive. So at any given time, Charles may visit five to six patients in a week or up to 10 patients at any given time. Now, not all our volunteers see that many patients, but that's usually the normal for Charles. He once had a patient that had a lung disease. Charles provided companionship visits with this patient each week. And due to the patient's illness, he stayed on medication that kept him kind of sleepy. But when the volunteer would be there, he would hold off on his medication just to be able to talk with him each week. He valued his time so much with Charles and just really wanted to focus on their talks. The patient lived in a double wide trailer that was covered in moss and the volunteer had a pressure washer and one day was leaving and asked the patient and the caregiver if he could come over and pressure wash their house. And they agreed. So the volunteer went home, came back. He spent about three to four hours washing the house. Um, The patient had to stay inside due to his lung condition, but did step outside to see the finished results. And the patient and his wife were so thankful and pleased with the results. Charles really focused on the patient's dignity and gave them a truly unique gift. Charles simply acted out of kindness and went above and beyond for this family. Certainly sounds like it. Well, I've got another one You've got the time. We've got the time. We've got stories like that. Okay. Well, this one's about the volunteer veteran that visits patients at the hospice house in Asheville that we talked about earlier. One time we had a gentleman at the hospice house that was a ward of the state. And if anybody knows, that means that Department of Social Services was there for his health care needs and his financial well-being. Unfortunately, he did not have any family or friends that anyone could locate. So Richard, our volunteer, played a vital role for this family in providing companionship and support to help this patient not feel alone in this difficult time in his life. And when the patient passed away, Richard contacted the VA and arranged for his burial. Richard also attended this gentleman's funeral. So if Richard had not been there, no one would have been there to witness this patient's life or his death. And that's incredible, mind-blowing, the hours that they give uh, out of the goodness of their hearts. You know, it makes me think there's got to be some sort of special events or initiatives that you must do as an organization uh, to celebrate and appreciate these volunteers. Is that right, Sue? 
Absolutely. So we appreciate our volunteers very much. And quite honestly, we could not do the work that we do without them. So every year in April during Volunteer Appreciation Week, we hold a volunteer appreciation dinner where we give out awards to our volunteers. Um, So we celebrate all of our volunteers by doing something from our entire staff that shows our appreciation. We did a a video of appreciation messages from our staff to our volunteers that we unveiled at the appreciation dinner. And then it was posted on our volunteer portal for all of our volunteers to watch. We also host an annual Christmas party for all of our volunteers, which is a lot of fun. So these events give our volunteers at both of our campuses the opportunity to to mingle together and to socialize um, during COVID. So obviously we weren't able to have any big group meetings or anything like that together. So, but we still wanted to do something to to show our appreciation to all of our volunteers. So we had a drive-through event for our volunteers um, during Volunteer Appreciation Week. I'm sorry, during Volunteer Appreciation Week, where we handed out meal boxes and gifts to all of our volunteers. And at Christmas time, we hand delivered every volunteer a gift to their home. So we just wanted to make sure that they all knew how much we appreciated them. That's awesome. They do a lot for you, but clearly you care about them as well. And um, I hope they feel appreciated. Even even now, if some of them are listening to this conversation, I hope they know just how much um, they mean to the organization and how much uh, we appreciate all that they do. Um, I guess lastly, Donna, I might throw this final question to you. If one of... If one of our listeners has been thinking about volunteering or had never even had the idea of hospice volunteering cross their mind uh, until this conversation, what advice would you give to them um, if they were considering volunteering with hospice and, and maybe any tips that you might add? Okay. Well, you don't need any special skills to be a hospice volunteer. Some of our volunteers just want to give back because a family member was on service or some may want to give back to the community. You'll only do what you're comfortable with. For many volunteers, it's common to feel worried that you'll be asked to deal with something that you're not uh, comfortable with or may connect you with past memories. But please, you don't have to worry about that. When you volunteer, you're going to work with staff to help you find the roles that you enjoy. And you'll never be asked to do anything you're uncomfortable with or that you don't feel properly prepared to do. For our patient volunteers, we can always set you up with a um, seasoned volunteer to shadow and just to see how those patient interactions go. If somebody is intimidated with working with patients, we have plenty of opportunities that's not patient related. So I'll just say if you're a good listener, if you're kind, if you're compassionate, and you can give up your time, just pick up the phone and give us a call or come to one of our interest meetings and see if it's the right fit for you. All our volunteers tell us they gain so much more than they give because of the meaningful work they do. Well said. And thank you both for being with me today. I think um, these volunteer services that Hospice of the Piedmont provides seem to not only be an incredible gift to patients and families, 
but even the staff um, of, of the organization, as well as uh, the community that we serve. So I appreciate your time and for, to all you hospice of the Piedmont volunteers out there. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank Crap. you, Ryan. Thanks. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the E-Series. We're excited about our upcoming episodes, highlighting a variety of incredible guests from our community. Be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts so that you'll receive a notification as each episode publishes. Until then, I'm Ryan Biagini, and this has been the E-Series.